I'm awake. I'm awake. Oh, is it over? Oh, um, uh, tune in. Tune in next time for the next episode of uh, what am I covering tonight? Star Star Trek Next Generation, not next to Deep's um, Star Original series. This episode's really, really boring. This is the first episode in season seven. It's not the first time I've had this problem, where I just paused the episode at one point and went off and started doing the dishes, started prepping some of the chicken for tonight. Not because I needed to, because I was just so bored. I was just like, okay, I need something to do. I was this tempted to just pull out my 3DS and just be like, all right, hang on, or my Switch or whatever, just play something. But the point is, for these ruminations, I try not to do something while doing something. Because, you know, I, I miss stuff. So I'm like, no, no. I'm just going to come back and watch the episode. The scintillating episode. Um, where do I begin? So Joe Minoski wrote this episode, and it shows. I don't actually mean that as an insult. As I've said before, Joe Minoski is simultaneously one of the best and worst writers of Star Trek of this era. He's really, really good at pushing the envelope, and he's really good at really trying new ideas. This can lead to some great stuff. He also doesn't give a flying damn about logic or continuity. As I've said before, Joe Manoski tends to work well when he's paired with another writer who can handle the, you know, making the episode make sense part, while he handles the creative ideas part. Cool. However, this episode was his. From conception to initial spec sheet to actual script and then the nine or so drafts that it should have gotten until the actual episode. I say should have. This one actually got closer to three drafts. You remember how I mentioned that, you know, they were working on three TV shows and a movie at the same time? I keep bringing that point up because the more I'm watching these, the more it's really starting to be apparent that I think that's one of the biggest reasons why Season 7 has such a negative reputation amongst TNG fans. That and the episode suck. But you get the point. You get the point, right? No, I don't think this is lamentation-worthy, but this is definitely a rumination, to, to put it into simplistic terminology. Because this episode needed a lot more polish time. And the funny thing is, everyone involved thinks that, too. Joe Manoski himself mentioned how he wished he could have gone back and did a few more rewrites, and Taylor mentioned how they wanted to give him more time to polish it, which they didn't have the time to give him. And in fact, he was actually working on several of the, the, the pieces of the script while they started filming it, to give you an idea of how far behind they were on that. Spiner had just finished all of his filming for the previous episode, uh, Thine Own Self, when he was handed the script for this one. He looked over and says, I can't do this! I, I need a couple of months. In fact, I have the direct quote here somewhere. Where is it? Um, oh, shoot, where is it? Uh, give me six months. Here it is. Give me six months, and I think I could give all the characters their due. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but as it was, I didn't know who these people were, and so I was doing instant acting and just coming up with whatever I was coming up with because we had to put it to film. Now... Spiner's decent enough at improv, so that worked out reasonably well. And I don't want to blame Spiner for the episode, but you can really tell that he was just improving a lot of it because they hadn't had time to figure it out. By the way, you know how one of the most basic ways to tell a script is early draft? 
There's actually two. Uh, one is the dialogue. Dialogue, when the overwhelming majority of writers or authors write dialogue, they write functional dialogue, which isn't how people talk. They then go back over it, either themselves or with an editor or a script doctor, they go through it and they say, okay, and then they turn it into dialogue that a human being would say. And uh, this is a problem with that one, but the more obvious thing is the blocking I challenge you to watch this episode and pay attention to the blocking. Pay attention, if those of you not aware, that's, uh, that refers to where everyone's standing, their pose, and their marks, you know, how the scene is supposed to be portrayed, etc. Because the blocking feels very thrown together and very awkward. And you know it's a, a scintillating episode to talk about when I'm talking about the blocking. <clears throat> So the episode starts off, and Troy's talking about the clay sculpture. And uh, I want you to draw... There's a draw, excuse me. I want you to sculpt music. I've told this story before. I've actually taken four full years of art classes, which you wouldn't know because I am a terrible artist, but I love drawing. I love drawing. I love painting, oil, uh, cloth dye. That was a fun one. Actually, uh, my mother actually still has that one. What we did is we laid out uh, a canvas of cloth, and slapped it into place with these frames that you could lock in, and then you would paint over it with wax, melted wax, and then it would solidify, and that would be the lines. And then you would fill in the gaps with dye, and you would color the dye in order to make the picture. It turned out really well. I was really happy with how it looked. But anyways, I'm getting off topic because that's just how boring this episode is. My point being... <clears throat> that I'm a terrible artist, and so thus I sympathize with the point of the early part of the episode. Because how many of you have ever had that problem, where you know exactly what you want to write, direct, produce, act, draw, paint, music, you know, you know, you, you could see it in your head, and getting it to paper, metaphorically speaking, you just, you can't get that connecting point. I have that problem all the freaking time, I hate that. Because there's so many times I'm like, oh, here, let me describe this to you. And people are like, yeah, I don't know what you're talking about. And I'm like, well, let me try again, and then again, and then again. You know, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yes, I connected more with the kid in the beginning with the sculpting class than the entire rest of the episode. Moving on. You don't actually want me to talk about sculpting, no. You want me to talk about how Troy and Col Crusher walk into an, her crush... Oh, my God, I can't talk! I'm, I'm not actually joking. My brain just kind of started shutting down mid-episode. I'll get to that point in a bit. Troy and Crusher go into Troy's room, where there's just some random statue there, and they're just completely blasé about someone having broken into Troy's room and left it there. I know, I know, we're all nice and safe, and we don't need to put locks on things, but you think you'd at least be curious. Computer, who's been in my room? Like, you have a thing for that, right? Anyways. So the premise for this episode is ridiculous, with a capital <laughs> Because this episode is all about a device, which is a historical archive, which can not only reprogram an alien computer that they've never encountered before, but can also rearrange the matter at the direct molecular level. Oh, and I know you're thinking, well, replicators can do that. Yeah. Actually, but this what this thing does is arguably more impressive because replicators craft things in a vacuum. You know, there's, there's a reason they've got that little space for the stuff to be made. This is doing it under people's feet or, you know, in some cases literally on people like 
Data's little chest plate thing that changes every time he changes personalities. Nice touch, by the way. You know, just stuff like that. And it gets even better. At the end of the episode, everything's right back to normal. I know I've said this before, but the more I watch Season 7 of TNG, the more I realize I'm watching Season 1 of Voyager. Or I guess Season 0 of Voyager. But you know what I mean. It's it's becoming really apparent that a lot of the issues that plagued early Voyager are right here. And what's funny is I wonder if going back through Voyager Season 1, if those issues... You know, granted, I don't have access to much more additional behind-the-scenes material than I used to have, but I wonder if the same cause is the problem. You know, burnout and working on too many projects at the same time. And, you know, we've got to get a script. We've got to get a script. Let's go, let's go, let's go. Because I'd like to think that this episode could have been interesting if it had the time it needed. Time is one of those unfortunate realities that, that history has taught me many, many times, no pun intended, is that some things just need more time. Like, it doesn't matter how talented you are. It doesn't matter how creative you are. You put down the rough draft, then you polish that up into a loose draft, and then you kind of pull that up into a working draft, and then you kind of do a polishing pass, and then you do another polishing pass. Right? Like, that that's just a creative process when it comes to editing, when it comes to making music, when it comes to dancing, when it comes to speedrunning, when it comes to working on a car. You know, all these things that we're all fans of, that we all have hobbies for, that we are geeks of, take time. And when you take away the time element, this, the product always suffers. I cannot tell you how many times I have gone through video games and said, so here's this game, and the reason why it sucks is because they were crunching and they had a deadline to meet. KOTOR 2, or Dragon Age 2, or a dozen other games I can name. Final Fantasy 12 comes to mind. Anthem, ironically, comes to mind. FF15. I could keep going. These are all just off the top of my head. So I look at this episode. Sorry, you'll notice I'm really drifting on topic. Trust me when I say, this may look like a lot of notes. I got nothing here. Like, I'm going to talk about the archaeology thing. Um, I'm going to talk about the exact moment the episode lost me. The dialogue and the blocking I've already talked about. Uh, the bad exposition scene. And the ship is in danger plot, and the beaming, and then the 19 minutes of nothing. And that's all my notes, basically. Other than one little nitpick with Troy. How would you do this episode? I, honest question. Let's assume you do have to stick with the core premise. Uh, alien artifact, restructuring, ancient civilization, ritualistic society... Blah, 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 blah. How, how do you do that? Ironically, my first thought is probably the one that is least likely to actually happen in reality because it would cost the most money. Don't set it on the Enterprise. I just talked about this when it came to Thine Old Self, where any episode they set off the Enterprise, which means they need new sets, is something that they need new sets for, and that takes time and that takes money. However, that is my first thought have an away team going down to this thing, and they accidentally trigger basically a historical recreation of the, these events or this ritual or whatever, some aspect of their society. And it turns out that that's how the whole archive works, is it's basically an inverse holodeck. Rather than creating artificial or fake matter, it actually rearranges the matter to do it, because why frickin' not, right? And so, oh my gosh, you know, Masaka and, and the, 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 the ritualistic cycle and the different people and blah, 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 blah. Oh, and give Brent Spiner some time to actually 
you know, do the roles rather than just make it up as he goes. That's my first thought. What do you guys think? I, I really am curious what kind of things you guys come up with because it's got to be better than this. No, this isn't lamentation status, by the way. Trust me, lamentations are so much worse than this. But I will say this, at least for me. You can tell me if this is lamentation. But I will say this. I was actually completely with the episode until the 14 minute and 50 second mark. That was the exact moment that Masaka is waking was the line that was given by Ehot. And that was just the exact moment I was like, oh, okay, you lost me, episode. <laughs> they even pull some visual tricks which are pretty basic and boring for this episode, and also illogical because Jordy should have seen it happening, but let's not get into that. I do have to admit, at least Patrick Stewart is making a joke in this episode. In fact, if you pay attention, Riker, that is to say, uh, Frakes, uh, Jonathan Frakes, is trying really hard not to laugh. He's actually grinning as Stewart's doing it. If you don't know the scene, I'm not going to point it out. It's before the 14-minute and 50-second mark, if that helps. Anyways, dialogue, blocking, exposition. They go to the magic meeting room. Oh, sorry. Sorry, wrong show. They go to the meeting room, and they have a big uh, exposition scene where they decide to, you know, sit down and explain everything that not only we already know, but will be demonstrated later. Scenes like that always bug me in fiction, because they really do exist for no reason. They are, they, this is what I like to call bad filler. Padding, in other words. Um, at 20 minutes and 20 seconds, that's when the ship is in danger plot comes to the fray. And by the way, I think that's one of the biggest weaknesses of this episode. And yeah, I know I say that a lot, but I stand by it firmly. It's season 7. We don't need another will-they-be-in-danger plot. I almost said, will they get home again? But I really am thinking of this as a Voyager episode. We don't need a ship is in danger plot. Especially from this episode. It's stupid. Moving on. Then, they decide to reconfigure a torpedo in engineering. In case you're missing why I'm even pointing that out. The torpedoes aren't in engineering, so they had to get the torpedo to engineering. And then reconfigure it. And then it got into the torpedo bank. So they, could... they were over budget, okay? They had to do a lot of set stuff. I will give them credit. At least they remember they can beam out of an area that's in danger. Oftentimes, Star Trek tends to forget that fact. Then I have a note here that says 10 minutes. I actually went back and checked. It's actually 10 minutes and like 15 seconds of nothing. I have nothing to say about that 10 minutes and 15 seconds. Nothing happens of any significance or import. Data, excuse me, Brent Spiner decides to play multiple roles. They bumble their way to extremely slowly to the solution, which of course the solution is let's just let the program run its course, which is the dumbest possible thing you can think of in lore, like in character. That's not what you want to happen. They completely ignore the fact that even though the ship is being reconfigured at a rapid rate and Worf estimates that in two hours the ship will no longer be the ship, everything works fine. Except for the things that they need to solve the episode, like weapons don't work. But I mean, you know, the turbo lifts work, and the transporters work, and the life support works, and the lights work. All those things that, you know, the computer, all those things that you'd uh, need in an extremely complicated shape. Like, I, I can't even put this into words. I want you to think about your computer, okay? I want you to think about how many pieces are in that computer. How many hundreds of parts how many different conflicting things are all coordinating at the same time? Now, I want to imagine like three of them are turned into plants. How do you think the rest of the computer is going to do? <laughs> and just magnify that by a factor of millions and you have this episode. 
I know, logical problems. Joe Minoski, we went over this. And then Troy says, I've got it. it. You know, it's the sun and the moon thing. Only one can be in the sky at the same time. Troy, Troy, Troy. How many of you at home have ever looked up to see the moon during the day? I did that just the other day, actually. Literally, I was, com I was coming back from taking the trash out, and I looked up, and there's the moon. I was like, oh, we almost got a full moon. That's pretty cool. <sighs> then, there's this... <laughs> and then, the GM tells the player the solution, because the players aren't figuring out the puzzle. No, that's basically what happens here. You ever have that happen? You know, you're playing D&D, &D or, or Star Trek Adventures, or whatever. You know, some kind of PNP tabletop game. And you're sitting there. Pen and paper, by the way, PNP. You're playing pen and paper, and the players are just not getting it. They are not figuring out the solution to your puzzle. So the GM just kind of, like, hints and then hints, and finally just tosses a solution into their lap. Like, I've actually had GMs do that to me, because I'm a moron. Hey, hey, lore, roll int. Okay, let me just grab a dice here. Hang on. Okay, that's actually a 19. That's really good. Holy crap. So I roll a 19, he's like, it occurs to you, does such and such. And I'm like, aha, I have the solution. Because that's what happens. No, seriously, watch the episode. I mean, you don't have to, but what happens is they put in the, the, the symbol for Masaka, the sun, and so the sun, you know, the, the whole thing turns into a temple, and the program for Masaka activates in data. So all this stuff happens. You put in the, the symbol for the moon, what happens? A mask shows up. What? And then Picard's like, I've got it. You know, maybe we should, we're thinking of this the wrong way, maybe we should try to go through the ritual and take it from the ritualistic perspective. Maybe rather than trying to intervene, I should take the role of someone now that they've handed me the mask to take the role of someone. I'm dead serious. I swear I could see the players just snarking in character at the GM because he just handed them the answer. And then, you know, they do it, and then... Everything's back to normal. Oh, and the mask goes away, but then it comes back later. While we're on the topic. Everything's just fixed. It's okay, though. Some archaeologists are going to come study this thing, and not a team of engineers. And this will never be referenced again, of course. I wonder if they can make more latinum out of this thing. <laughs> Since, you know, it just seems to have no problem turning anything into anything, right? By the way, in the in the base notes, uh, in the spec script for this episode, they actually refer to this thing as a gen an advanced Genesis device. You know, the one from Star Trek II. It's okay. We're done with masks. I, I'm sorry. I know this is going to be a short one. I just have... I, I got nothing. Surely the next episode will be... It's Eye of the Beholder. Yeah, can I just rant for just a second. Do you mind? I mean, it's not like I got anything else to talk about in this one, right? So hang on. Let's let's see our episode list. What do we got? What do we got? So we have... Um, we've had Descent, Liaisons, Interface, Gambit, Phantasms, Dark Page, Attached, Force of Nature, Inheritance, Parallels, Pegasus, Homeworld, Subrosa, Lower Decks, Thine Own Self, right? That's actually pretty decent. And as I've talked about this before, Season 7 has been a lot better than I remembered. Right up until Subrosa, which was just, ugh. but then Lower Decks was great, and then Thine Own Self was kind of boring, and then Masks is really boring, 
And then we have Eye of the Beholder, Genesis, Journey's End, Firstborn, Bloodlines, Emergence. Just back to back to back. And this is why I spent all that time talking about the time problem. I could, I could really go off on this topic. I, I could. I could spend some time just sitting here talking about how, what a shame it is that creative works aspects of our culture, our society, things that we love and care about are permanently marred because of the pragmatic realities of the moment. I'm not even necessarily blaming anyone, although I do think they overreached, because it makes sense, right? They they have to finish the season this this year. They are working on two other, three, excuse me, other major projects at the same time. You know, there's, they've got a budget to, to keep to, they've got projects scheduled to keep, they've got money to pay, and blah, blah, blah. I get that. I do. It still sucks. I mean, what could Season 7 of TNG have been if they'd actually taken the time to actually make it as good as they could have, rather than trying to stretch themselves too thinly and work on everything else at the same time? I swear I'm not trying to make myself sound like the G-Man from Half-Life. <sighs> whatever. Next time, we'll see Eye of the Beholder. And I, I'm not going to make another masks joke, so I'm just, I'm out. <laughs>